Nicole Matthews, corporate America dropout turned entrepreneur and owner of The Henley Company, an event travel and lifestyle management firm. It wasn't that long ago that I was dreading my drive to my fancy corporate job each day or felt disenfranchised with the work I was doing. In 2007, I jumped off the corporate escalator and directly into the elevator of opportunity. Today, I'm an author, speaker, educator, and serial asker. I wholeheartedly believe that your life changes when you start creating your own opportunities and making big asks. Hands down, the business and life I have today is 100% the product of giving myself permission to design the life I want to live. It was always my dream to work at the Olympics, and by making a big ask, that dream became a reality. I now have multiple Olympic projects to add to my life resume. I created the Big Ask Podcast to share these best practices with you. Whether you're an entrepreneur hungry for revenue generating tips or an individual restless to make a significant change, the life you want to live could be just one big ask away. Get ready to be entertained by real life stories, no filter conversations, and inspired by the daily hustle. So let's get started. This is the Big Ask Podcast. Welcome to the Big Ass Podcast. I'm Nicole Matthews, and I welcome you back to another episode. It is a thrill, let me tell you, to be able to talk to my good friend, Jack Kelly. Um, This is a guy who, when you look in a dictionary under relationship king, um, I think Jack Kelly's name is just, it's just your picture is is just there. There is literally nobody in San Diego who can uh, navigate relationships, create relationships better than Jack Kelly. So I am so thrilled that you said yes to my invitation to be a guest because I know we're going to have a lot of teaching here on how to um, how to be the relationship um, prince because you are the king, but I will say the prince and princess okay. of San Diego. So Jack Kelly, um, welcome to the Big Ass Podcast. It's great to be here and thank you for the flattering introduction. That was yeah, great. it's my pleasure. So you and I um, have known each other many a year um, yes. and, our, and our worlds have um, you know, intersected in, in several different ways. So um, our first uh, interaction is that we're both alums of the University of San Diego and um, you as an undergrad and a grad master's degree and my just only master's mm-hmm. degree from USD, um, but our work in alumni relations. So sure. um, I started my career as the assistant director of alumni relations at USD, which was probably the best first grown up job you could ever have like in a lifetime. <laughs> It was incredible, yeah. right? And I got to got to meet amazing people like like you. And then ultimately, you became the director of alumni relations at USD. Yeah. So, so let's kind of rewind the tape a little bit and and get into you know the history of Jack Kelly. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, uh, my history it's uh, in San Diego. It started at USD, right? So mm-hmm. came here from LA. I'm an LA boy. Uh, don't hold it against me, but I'm an LA boy, <laughs> born and raised. And our, our family used to come down here for vacation in San Diego. I was just having this conversation with my dad last night. He And uh, someone asked me, you know, how did you come to go to USD? I said, well, I applied to Loyola Marymount. Mm-hmm. I applied to Cal State Northridge because I lived in Northridge. And then I had a friend's sister who said I had to apply to USD because she is, was going there and she loved it. And so I did. And uh, I'd never been there, um, but I had been to San Diego. So uh-huh. uh, <laughs> Ended up going to school there, obviously, but it was just had an amazing experience and um, was fortunate to uh, meet um, my 
my mate, my bride there, Sue Kelly, <laughs> and uh, uh, Sue Ventimiglia is her maiden name. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from there, I actually took a couple of years, lived in the Midwest and traveled all over the country, which was an amazing experience for my fraternity and uh, visiting college towns everywhere. And uh, then I came home to L.A. and uh, Sue came back off the road herself and uh, we we got married and moved back to San Diego. So I've been here ever since and, and uh, in a variety of roles, mostly in business to business sales. So B2B services to be exact. Um, which is probably some of the hardest things to sell. They're usually mission critical systems or services that you're providing to a customer that they don't have a competency in. So uh, it's it's a hard hard thing to articulate the value and gain their trust in order to for them to move forward. So, uh, but it's been a wonderful experience for me and worked with uh, uh, hundreds of companies all over San Diego in that space. So it's been great. Yeah. That's awesome. And at the core of everything you do is relationships, as I said before. So um, going back to your time at USD as the director of alumni relations, um, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no job that requires relationships really more than an alumni director. So talk a little bit about what that tenure was like for you and and what did you learn um, in that role? Why huge huge shoes to fill. Uh, mm. You work, you worked for John Trifoletti and, and yep. an amazing guy who really sculpted the role mm-hmm. at USD mm-hmm. and built it up. And, um, you know, of course I came in there and said, okay, let's take this foundation and let's do something more with it. And, um, you know, what I quickly found and, and, uh, what was kind of natural for me was it didn't matter the generation or where somebody was from, from USD, they cared so deeply about that place. And, and to me, it became, you know, incredibly evident with the people that I was fortunate enough to work with is that the focus was to honor your relationships. And it's the best mm-hmm. way I can put it. Um, and I met thousands of alumni all over the country during that time with uh, kind of the shared passion, and but also a shared value set that mm-hmm. I found um, really to be something that uh, stuck with me even past my mm-hmm. time at USD. And for, for me at USD, it was about let's build something sustainable. It's nice to see that a lot of the things that I helped put in place when I was there are still there mm-hmm. um, with our alumni board, with the approach to it. Um, but also that the things that some of the things that we started have changed and they've gotten better. So, and that was really one of the core things I always talked about was we don't do change for change sake. We do change in order to make things mm-hmm. better. And um, you know, I say if, if that was a legacy I left at USD, I feel like uh, I did a good job with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a pretty special place, USD. Uh, I, I'm mm-hmm. very grateful for um, my foundation that it gave me per, um, personally and professionally. Yeah. Um, and one of the um, great lessons that uh, Triff, as we referred to him, would often say yeah. to us in alumni relations, and you've heard me say this before, but people support what they help to create. That's and right. when he was t- referring to, you know, uh, it, it, the importance of getting people on committees and and to be engaged yeah. in a project so that they ultimately are your best ambassadors outside of the university. Yeah. Um, and that really always stuck with me. Um, and I think it's a really mm-hmm. powerful lesson um, as we're on, you know, especially in my line of work in events and yours in sales, mm-hmm. you know, getting yeah. people to um, to help create it is the best yeah. way for them to support it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, I also learned as far as their engagement, um, 
level was equal to their willingness uh, and the success of, of what their engagements was equal to their willingness to be accountable for it. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times what I learned in, in nonprofit is um, folks often are given a hall pass because they're a volunteer. And mm-hmm. yet the best volunteers out there are the ones that want to build something, want to create something that's sustainable. And they're willing to say, I'm, I'm in. And, you know, what do, what do I have to do in order to move the needle, not just participate in what's going yeah. on? And that's right. the part of USD that was cool was to find this group of alums and uh, administrators, et cetera, that were willing to put their skin in the game and say, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do this and you can hold me accountable. Let's set goals. Let's not, you know, just sit around and sip sodas together. Let's, right. let's accomplish something. That's, that's what I loved about that experience at USD was really seeing that and how gratifying that was for myself yeah. as well as the other folks involved. Sure. And not just being volunteers who have it um, as a resume mm-hmm. place, you know, and right. you and I've talked about that before. We, we are currently on a board together, which we'll, we'll yeah. talk about in a little bit, but um, you know, there are people who are professional board members who just have it yeah. to make their LinkedIn profile look better yeah, um, and are actually working and, and how frustrating yeah. that is for the rest of us who are really committed to working. It's true. And, and, and we went through at USD and, and there were difficult conversations I had with people who had been on the board for a while mm-hmm. and said, you know, look, here's what the expectation is. Here's what you all have agreed to. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. I, I understand you have other things in your life and that, but what we need right now from our board members is this. If you can't do it, I completely understand. Mm-hmm. We appreciate your service, but we, we do need to make space for those that are willing to commit to that. And um, yeah. Yeah, those were healthy conversations, as difficult as they were to have, but it was for the best interest of the organization as well. Definitely. So your tenure at USD comes to an end and then Mm -hmm. you decide to branch out on your own. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that, was that the next, the next step for you? Actually, actually I went back into an industry. I was in HR outsourcing industry and um, it's what convinced me to go on my own. Quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. the, so, the universe has a funny way of putting us in those situations. Way. Right. I always, I always knew I had the entrepreneurial gene in me mm-hmm. and, uh, but I quite frankly was scared to do it. And, and um, you know, you start having kids and you start doing all those things. And so I went to work for this company. I got a good offer after I got my master's at USD. It was an industry I was interested in and familiar with because I had had about 10 years experience prior and went into it. And it was a publicly held company um, that was extremely poorly run. And I went through four bosses in less than two years and and, uh, leadership change at the top. And then the company ended up getting sold. Um, And then about two years later, I, I, at the end of 2008, not the best time to start a business. <laughs> oh yes. You and I both. Thank you. <laughs> that's when I, that's when I jumped in. So yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why, why, not, make, why make right? it easy on ourselves? Right. Absolutely. absolutely. Exactly. You exactly. Know. So um, what was the business that you created? Business, the uh, name of the business is the Corlay Group. And the side story on that is Corlay, Ireland is where the Kelly family is from. So that's the genesis of the name. There was no real big strategy around what it meant yeah. or what, you know, symbolism and that sort of thing. It was just 
quite frankly, really important to me. So yeah. uh, that's where Grandpa Jack was from. So um, anyhow, so saw a need in the market at time 2008. Lots of businesses were struggling, shrinking, um, and it wasn't a good time. And what was the number one challenge that they had? Their number one challenge was selling. Their number one challenge was finding new customers. Their number one challenge was saying, okay, I'm really not very good at this. How do I mm-hmm. create something that is sustainable and scalable for my business um, during a tough time? So I just, I stumbled into it, but I have always either been in sales or sales leadership roles. And so I was familiar with their plight. Um, mm-hmm. I worked for my dad for seven years uh, prior to coming to San Diego. and We worked with small businesses uh, almost exclusively. And I know the stresses that a business owner has who's not only um, in charge of operations, but has to figure out how to find revenue. And yeah. that's one of the biggest challenges for them is to find revenue on a consistent basis and maybe hire somebody and make sure they're hiring the right person in order to do so. So that's where I found my niche and and started uh, the Corlay Group. Yeah. And sales is just, it can be such a stumbling block for some people, right? I mean, it feels like you either are born to be a great salesperson or you're not. Right. And I would imagine that, you know, the company that you had was really about helping people to overcome that, that yep. mental block. Cause it really is exactly more probably is. mental than anything else, isn't it? It is because, you know, people start a business because they love doing something or they're, they're passionate about it. They want to do it. And uh, they kind of think, you know, the whole field of dreams, build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, the reality is, is that you have to keep reminding people about what you do, how you do it, why it's better uh, than perhaps your competition or why it's something completely new that they yeah. should really consider doing. And you're absolutely right. You know, <clears throat> some folks have said to me, you're a natural born salesperson. And I said, I'm not. I mean, I, I love people and all that. But, you know, at the time when uh, I started selling and you had to dial for dollars, the phone in the, the cradle was the most intimidating thing to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times I would teach people make that first call and never put that handset down and you'll you'll be fine. You'll get get going. But I did have to let them know that some of the best business leaders, but also some of the best sales professionals don't have to be extroverted. They don't have to have big personalities. It's how genuine they are. And that's really what I taught folks is it's how genuine you are in your approach to solving that person's problem and how um, much you understand their business in order to help them sell it. That separates you from everybody else. And that's, um, that can be um, a lot less uh, cumbersome for someone who maybe is quieter than it is for someone who is extroverted that wants to move on to the next fun and exciting thing. Someone who's Mm -hmm. willing to take the time to explain, to listen, to understand and come up with a solution. And so I do work with people a lot on that. And and it's, um, it's, it's a challenge for them, but once Mm -hmm. they start seeing that there is a way and a process and a system you can put in place to help you stay accountable and sustain Mm -hmm. it, they usually have pretty good success. So yeah, 
Um, would, would you say at the heart of it though, is that, is the word relationship? Do you think that that really is the, yeah. the, the magic, the, the, you know, the, the fairy dust? It, it is the fairy dust and it's, it, it's often just thrown around too much. And I, I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier that's that a concept of, you know, truly, truly honoring relationships. And sometimes the best way to honor a relationship is to tell somebody you're not a good fit, um, mm-hmm. that this isn't the right solution for you, that I have uh, another company that might be, be better for you because you've taken the time to really understand who they are, what they do, what they're trying to accomplish. And um, you talk to a lot of people, whoa, 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 why would you ever cut somebody out of your pipeline? And I always tell them, I, I said, what I want you to do is, you know, figure out how I can narrow the pipeline mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. saying I can help everybody and right. dilute your message versus I really understand who it is that benefits from what I do. And mm-hmm. we're going to be able to get, get through this process a little bit more quickly and efficiently and get them where they want to go. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I have often said like, don't be fra- afraid of the unsubscribe because yeah, the unsubscribe, totally. right. It's just moving those people out of the way because yeah. you're taking a big pool and you're unsubscribing, unsubscribing. And now yeah. you're left with the, with, you know, the, the good meat, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those kinds of things, you know, people take it personal, like, Oh no, I had, you know, six people unsubscribed for my newsletter and it's like, great. Get yeah. those people out of the way. Yeah, right. I mean, then I now you're not marketing to somebody who doesn't need or want your service. Yeah, there's a reason that a sales funnel starts like this and goes like Mm -hmm. this is that through each stage, which you need to know what those stages are that you're taking people through, you're trying to qualify people out as much as you're trying to qualify them in um, Mm -hmm. because we only have limited time. Uh, and it's same with them. And we want to make sure they don't walk away from somebody say, boy, I went through all this process. I bought this thing. I'm unhappy. And that is an exponential, uh, effect on your business because the other part of the business that I do is I do, um, customer loyalty surveys for people, um, to understand who their best customers are, why they are attached to them. And again, I use that data to help them narrow who they do business with. What are the industries? What are the, uh, types of buyers that uh, they resonate Mm -hmm. best with um, so they don't waste their own or anybody else's time. Yeah, definitely. How have you seen the sales process um, change perhaps in the last decade of owning your own business um, or even just throughout your career? I mean, have you, have you noticed sort of an evolution of that process or or how is, you know, technology and social media and all those things, those tools sort of helped or hurt? Yeah. You know, it's really a good, good question. And absolutely it's changed, uh, you know, in the business to business, uh, space, it's, it's affected it, um, quite a bit. Obviously people can do research online. They can do all those sorts of things about your business. Um, but part of it is that we control that narrative. A lot of folks, um, say, well, you know, I, what can I do? They've researched me, all that sort of thing. But what have they researched? Mm-hmm. They've researched customer experience. How are you controlling the customer experience there? They've researched the white papers you've put out. They've researched the case studies you developed or the um, marketing brochures that you have out mm-hmm. online or videos, or that, that's what they're looking at. So how are you controlling that narrative? How is that um, putting out what you want to know about the business? So that, I think... A lot of people worry about that. I think that's the most positive thing because that is something you have somewhat control over, right? Right. And so um, 
that's been the good part. It also can speed up sales in what are generally complex sales if you're selling to, and what I work with people on is, is a lot of times they're selling to multiple stakeholders. So in other words, it's not just selling to one person. You've got the CFO, the CEO, you've got the, the procurement person, per, of course, and the business unit uh, person that's mm-hmm. in charge, a director or a VP. And so you've got different personalities that you have to sell to. And now that is where I think it has changed the most is that has become much more of a talent that people have to develop to say, I'm selling my services to a CFO. That person, she cares about this set of issues. The CEO, she cares about a different set of issues. Mm -hmm. And the person who's running the division, he cares about something completely different, but it's all about the same service that you're providing. And that talent is something I see a lot of folks skip on. They learn Mm -hmm. their product, they learn the value. They even learn about a really good, you know, way to present themselves to people in a value added manner, but they don't think about the different people that are going to be involved and what message they need to hear and what problems you need to solve of theirs in order to be effective. So that's changed a lot as far as that goes, I think. So, and and to that point, kind of paying attention to communication styles as well. You know, you might have the CEO who is, who just wants bottom line rapid fire. And then, you know, the COO might be somebody that you need to give a longer narrative to. And so again, taking the time to sort of be with those people, understand how they want that information Mm -hmm. delivered to them. Don't go into the CEO with a long narrative. If he's going to be bored, distracted with something else, because you're taking too much time to get to the point. Yeah. And I, right. I remember when I was first being taught how to say, find the economic buyer, which we all have to do. Another person that's writing the check. We all mm-hmm. need to find that person, that sort of thing. But what I've seen a lot of sales professionals do then just focus on that one person. So I guess the best story example I have of this that happened to me, unfortunately, <laughs> selling, <laughs> selling my service, selling uh, payroll and HR services. And it's to the company that, uh, does all quite honestly, the samples at Costco, right? Okay. They have thousands of employees. And so this was a big deal. They're based here in San Diego. They were at the time and the CEO and CFO sold on what we were going to do. Um, the payroll manager seemed very positive and she had one question for me. And I said, let me find the answer to that question. I don't want to say yes right now, but let me find the answer to that question. Came back, gave him the answer. And I thought everything's set. We're good to go. And I delay, delay, delay. I'm like, why is this not closing? What's going on? What happened was that one question from that person was her big sticking point. And all I did was provide an answer, but I never dug deeper with her. I never took Mm -hmm. the time to understand why that was so important, what her hesitation about changing was. She ultimately was the accountable person for making payroll happen, getting people enrolled in benefits, doing all those things. And I focused on the CEO and CFO, Mm -hmm. and she was the one who determined if if I got the deal or not. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. And so that's where I learned that lesson was, okay, (laughs) we need to treat each one of these people on their own and not Mm -hmm. make assumptions just because the most important person in the room is excited about our solution. Yeah, definitely. How did you learn how to be uh, highly proficient with relationship development? Is that, do you think that's something that's learned? Is that a skill that you learned or is that just a nature nurture sort of question? 
I, I yeah, as with most <laughs> things, I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. Right. I, I've made enough mistakes with that. Um, you know, where, uh, I've gone too fast trying to push something through in the example I just gave. Um, I also feel like it was one of those things where if you look at the influence of your parents and, Mm -hmm. you know, quite frankly, you know, with my dad, who's with me here right now and just, I worked for him for seven years. And a lot of times when people work with their parents, they're like, ah, just couldn't do it. I enjoy it. I loved working with my dad. Mm -hmm. And, um, Part of it was because we got along well, we thought similarly, but it was interesting to see him as more of a peer than a dad. But, and I saw how he interacted with customers. I saw how he, you know, really truly valued that idea of let me find the right solution over just quickly getting some Mm -hmm. money in the door. And to me, it was, he never was going to be the richest man in the world financially, but you talk to anybody that knew him and they have nothing but amazing things to say about him. And, um, that was valuable and that always came back to him. So if he, if something was going on, he always had someone who could back him up on the claim we were making. Did we do a good job? We're able to deliver and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Never had to worry, never had to do that. And to me, that idea of, I I talk about it a lot. Matter one time I presented some students at USD is this idea of honoring your relationships. And the best example I can give of that in my life is my roommate in college. Uh, He's from Greece. And um, when I first was starting my consulting business, um, I see this name come across LinkedIn. Spiros Konidaris. I'm like, there are not many of those in this world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's up, Spiros? It's your old roommate from freshman year. And we literally hadn't talked since uh, we had graduated over 20 years earlier. And he said, oh, I'm looking for some help. I'm looking to um, start an office. Um, you know, let me know if you run into anybody. I said, happy to do it. Glad to hear things are well. Well, then a day later, he said, hey, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile. And he said, I've been interviewing people left and right. And he said, it looks like you're a good fit. And he said, it would be really great if this worked out because I know I can trust you. Mm. I hadn't talked to him in 20 years, over 20 yeah. years. And it's one of those things where I was just, I was mm-hmm. honored, first of all, and flattered yeah. and that sort of thing. And uh, I shared with three before we started, um, he's been my client for 11 years now. So yeah. Um, that's yeah. amazing. So yeah. That's, no, you can't put a price tag on that. That's, that's, that's you know, trust. A lot of that yeah. is nurture, but on the flip side mm-hmm. of that, I also learned in the, in the business world when I was getting too anxious, trying to hit a number, trying to do things. And really what it came down to was that was my shortcoming. I hadn't done enough work to fill my pipeline with the right opportunities mm-hmm. to give myself confidence. So there's another Jack Kellyism: confidence is a full pipeline, right? Yes. <laughs> the fuller your pipeline, the, the more clear you are in the decisions you make. The skinnier your pipeline, the more desperate you get. And then you sacrifice things like relationships, good discovery, and all those things. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that activity part still is important to this day. We can't lo- rely on inbound. We can't rely on all those things. You've got to mm-hmm. build relationships. So that's yeah. what that taught me as well. Is there a book of Jack Kellyisms coming? <laughs> there is. Coming? Matter of fact, and a matter of fact, the title is confidence is a full pipeline. So <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right. in the, in, not already written in the process or already in the written? process in, in many forms, not already. Okay. Written, but yeah, all right. Different, yeah. Pieces put together already. So, Good. Um, 
it is something that um, it does change. And this is the thing as a sales professional, as a sales leader, is that if you have a full pipeline of good opportunities with the right people, it changes the decision making throughout the organization. Mm-hmm. It changes how the CEO looks at things. It changes how the CFO looks at things, it changes mm-hmm. how operations, how management, sales management, and your team. It changes the whole organization. So the responsibility of sales to an organization is great. And that starts with good activity. Yeah. And good prospects. And I think as long as you can sell, you should always be employed, right? Yeah, it's one of absolutely. them, you know, you are one yeah. of the, they are, that you should be the last person they get rid of in an organization. If you're the person bringing in revenue. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Right. And yeah. that is a hundred percent the deal. And if right. it's obvious when you're not, that's the, the good news and bad news about sales. When things yeah. aren't going well, yeah, you've right. got nowhere to hide. Um, no, I know it's, you know, I, I've, I have a friend who, um, used to work for Hyatt and she went from being the like number one salesperson of Hyatt, you know, did the, got the incentive trip, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. the, the, the big experience, you know, the big award, the gold key, all the things. Yeah. And literally by the next year she was gone because it was 2008, yeah. I think, and the economy had, had tanked yeah. and, and you went, Oh, <laughs> yeah. you're only as valuable in sales as, as the last quarter, basically. Absolutely. Right? What have you done yeah. for me lately? Yep. What have you done yeah. for me lately? Yeah. yeah. It's so it is, it's a, it's a, that's a rocky road all of the time. So yeah. what are you seeing in terms of business now um, in this new era that we are in? I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't think it's a blip. I think it's a, it, we got to get comfortable in being uncomfortable right now in business. And so how are you advising clients and kind of what are you seeing with all of that? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, I run my own networking group and once a month we have our zoom call now. And, uh, I asked him, I went and just kind of get a survey and what was, you know, of the group of where things were, some are down 80% in their business. Mm -hmm. Some are up 50% and we had the whole gamut. So it isn't just one, not everything is horrible, but for the ones that are struggling, what it's really come back to is, okay, how have I prepared myself for this? Do I have things in place? Have I kind of lived off of um, one way of bringing in business? Have I ignored mm-hmm. my online presence? Have I ignored at the time going to networking events? Have I uh, perhaps ignored my partners? You know, yeah. I haven't nurtured those relationships. And so the way I, the, what I'm seeing with folks is um, you have people who've been doing what they do for a while and have a pretty good system in place. But what the biggest struggle for them is I can't get out in front of my clients. And as great as Zoom is for seeing and talking to each other, there's still something that's missing for them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these folks, they, they didn't think this would ever happen. And so their comfort with Zoom, their comfort with doing things virtually is probably the biggest stumbling block I see beyond the economic realities that we all have. So yeah. what, um, Again, this goes back to those basics. Um, who do I sell best to? Who do I fit with the best? How much activity do I need to be doing in order to get the results that I'm looking for? And right now it's more. 
Yeah. And what I see is a lot of folks doing less. And mm -hmm. if there's any time to do more, it's now. You need to be value added. You need to be sensitive to their situation. You need to make sure that you're checking in on them as much as you're trying to get a, a meeting with them. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a delicate balance, but you have to do more of that. And mm -hmm. um, I think people need to start getting to that place versus saying, okay, maybe in a few weeks it'll be different and I'll be able to yeah. do what yeah. I used to do. Right. And, 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 you know, Zoom has been great and, you know, I mean, thank goodness yeah. for it. I mean, imagine yeah. if oh. this would have happened 10 or 15 years ago when this technology didn't exist. I mean, right. you know, if we're literally sending letters to each other, you yeah. know, I mean, they're just, I mean, we're how grateful we are as hard as this chapter yeah. is uh, to have the tools that we do have in order yeah. to bridge the gaps. I mean, we oh, really yeah. are lucky with that. Can you yeah. imagine? It's amazing. You know, Just, you know, mm -hmm. the miracle of LinkedIn is amazing. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah. But it also speaks to the need, I think, to be continue to be creative. You know, you don't mm -hmm. want to just rely on yeah. Zoom because everybody's doing Zoom. Yep. So what's the next thing I can do right. in terms of getting in front of my clients yep. um, that isn't just Zoom, right? Yeah, I mean, I have another, you know, you look at cooperation, right? Do you have that opportunity to do that with somebody you would mm -hmm. normally see as a competitor of yours? Mm -hmm. In this situation, truly, how can we cooperate together to benefit ourselves as well, well, give maybe an exponential benefit to our potential customers? Something yeah. I'm doing with another uh, sales consultant um, is we're developing a new you know, mastermind group. And that group is going to be focused on CEOs who have responsibility for sales and more and more of them do right now than they did mm -hmm. a few months ago because um, mm -hmm. they've had to let people go and all that sort of stuff. How are they going to do this? It's going to be all virtual, what we're going to yeah. be doing with them. A lot of these groups generally have been in person. They had to be regionalized. We're not going to have those limits with this. So there's mm -hmm. this opportunity there to have some of the perspective from the Midwest and the Northwest connect with each other and, and benefit from each other. So we're trying to do something different and then also give them tools that haven't given. So we're, we're, we're innovating in that and saying, you know, two of us together equals three or four or whatever that yeah. is with right. respect to the value we can give these folks. So that's the sort of activity that's fun, right? Yeah. It's, it stimulates right. the brain and that sort of thing is, is a, is a different take on something that that's been going on for a while. Yeah. Um, so if you had somebody who was just getting into sales and you had to give them yeah. one piece of advice, what is that piece of advice? Um, gosh, one piece of advice. Um, be prompt. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Be prompt. Be prompt. Be professional. And, uh -huh. um, you know, be consistent. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and to me, as, as simple as those are, what... Um, I see sales professionals lacking right now is that consistency on what they do. And if uh -huh. that's, whether that be the combination of cold calling, current client follow-up, um, doing their own work on social media, um, et cetera, whatever those things are, is the consistency of that is what gets you through times like this. And as someone just coming into sales, I would also let them know right now is an amazing opportunity for sales. And the reason being, Companies are looking to make changes right now mm -hmm. because of the reality. So your, your competition that is in 20% or 50% of your territory right now, they're at risk. Mm -hmm. They're at risk right now. People are evaluating everything that they're doing inside of their business. 
they're evaluating all of those things because they have to. It's their responsibility in order to keep their business going. You have a wonderful opportunity if you truly take the time to dig into what are their struggles right now, what are their goals, and how you help them get to those goals. So if you can mm-hmm. understand that piece and really be empathetic and really drive towards that outcome, you're going to you have a wonderful opportunity right now, which a lot of yeah. folks might not see. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, how do you organize yourself in terms of all of these relationships and touch points that you need to do with with your clients? So what is your process for that? Are you, yeah. um, do you use, this, are there certain tools? tools? <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. What tools do you use? Well, yeah. First, I use a CRM. So customer okay. relationship management system, I have to. Um, mm-hmm. And that basically has my database of everyone. Uh, It has every piece of information on them that I have. And then um, I utilize it from a, okay, what's the status of where they are? And I've moved from calling it a sales process to a sales experience. What's the experience that I would want somebody to go through? A lot of us talk about customer experience and that sort of thing. The sales experience is one one part of Mm -hmm. that overall customer experience. And we need to look at it that way because you want to have that sales experience be as good or better as that customer experience once they come on board. So Mm -hmm. with the CRM, I can stay on top of at least as I'm nurturing people and they have everything from assigning yourself a task and integrating it into your calendar to um, I create uh, different cadences on a monthly basis of who I'm reaching out to and what's the topic I'm reaching out to them on. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is basic blocking and tackling from a time management standpoint, because if you don't do it and if you don't intentionally put it down, it does not happen. And yep. especially once you get busy, if you don't hold these appointments that you've made in order to do these things, you will forget and you will yeah. let those. And I still do still have things that get in the way. I'm mm-hmm. as human as anybody else. And that's why I need the tools. And they are simple to use. You don't have to overcook them, over bake them. There's <laughs> so much functionality in some of these. It's mm-hmm. like, use the basics to keep you on track with a customer and understand when's the next follow-up and what does that look like for me? So yeah. that's the main thing I use is, is that CRM to do that for me. Because when I get busy, I know each morning before I bring up email, I bring up my CRM. And I say, what's going on? What am I supposed to, what's going to drive outcomes for me today Mm -hmm. before I get into the administrative stuff that I have to deal with every day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's great. The key one. Yeah, definitely. And then in terms of just staying motivated, um, what are you reading? What are you listening to Mm -hmm. in terms of podcasts? Are are you a podcast, you know, not really a podcast guy, but I, there is a, um, uh, email I get every day. It's called smart brief on sales and okay. smart brief does a lot of different briefs on HR and all that sort of stuff. Smart brief on sales. It's one of those things that pulls together some of the greatest minds in sales. And it's, it's terrific. I use a lot of their mm-hmm. articles when I'm posting on, mm-hmm. on social media and that sort of thing. And it keeps yeah. me on top of it. There's also another really terrific organization that um, I would consider a competitor, but they deal with much larger companies. And I, I call it, it's the sales benchmark index. I would definitely, they have outstanding content um, and things that you can pull from every single day. Those are the kind of my, my daily feeds that I work on. I'm trying to remember the name of the book I'm reading right now, but it's, uh, <laughs> 
Peter Lencioni, or is it Patrick Lencioni book? So, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's all about, you know, it's all about, you know, a lot of these things come back to systems and, and how you, you get your executive team to follow those processes in order, order to have frank, mm-hmm. honest, open conversations to be successful. Yeah. That's awesome. So in the spirit of the big ask, let's talk about yeah. big asks that you've either had to make or um, what was your process for sort of gearing mm-hmm. up and preparing to make that big ask and yeah. what were the outcomes? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and I've been thinking about this. So I'm like, shoot, you know, <laughs> there's been a lot of asks in my life. You know, the biggest yeah. is that I asked Sue to marry me, but. Oh, know, that's yeah. so sweet. You know, I just interviewed um, a, a, an event guru recently, yeah. somebody I have great admiration for. And his answer was, was the same. I think that's lovely yeah. that I've had two husbands now <laughs> say the biggest ask was, it's funny, the, the women aren't saying that, They're but I guess because they don't, they, they haven't have asked. To, they may not have to answer. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. So Some that's lovely. Would, we'd welcome that's, that if they did. Yes. So it would take the pressure yeah. off. But, um, so besides Sue, who is yeah. wonderful, um, yeah. what, what other ask? You know, I would say that the first one was when I started my consulting business. So I had, um, you know, in addition to Spiros, um, it was, am I worth what I, what I want to charge? right? That was my mm-hmm. biggest struggle was yeah. what's my value. And I remember I, I had lunch with a, a guy up in Orange County and um, he was showing me his models and all this because I was trying to develop mine. It was very early on. And he said, what are you charging? And I told him, he said, why are you only charging that much? I'm like, that's, oh, that seems yeah. like a lot of money. I mean, I can't ask people for more money. Right. He said, and he just looked at me and he said, why not? And he told me what he charged today. I went, oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> and yeah. so when I did that, I, I was uh, going to work for, I had been referred in uh, by someone for my master's program at USD into this uh, accounting firm. And what they did was they did large um, government organization, a federal government organization audits, believe it or not, those do happen. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they needed help with continuing to grow their sales organization. So it ended up being my largest contract to date. And now it's not as big as some of the other ones I've done, but it was probably the most intimidating because these were a bunch of accountants. Mm -hmm. And so they grilled me on every single line item uh, that I had in it. And it it took a long time. But at that point, they they said, well, how come you charge so much? I said, because I'm confident that I'm going to get you the results that you're looking Mm -hmm. for, because I've done my homework. I understand what you're trying to do. And this is... I'm confident in the approach that I have. And in the inside, I'm like, oh my God, please. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, who's that guy saying that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but it's one of those things that got the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, it went extremely well. And from that point on, I not only knew it, but I, I believed it, that this was what I was worth. This was what I could do for folks. And, and, um, when somebody asked me, so, well, um, tell me about what we're doing. I said, I won't charge you a penny if it doesn't work because I know it's going to work. Yeah. So this is my price and, and, you know, you can try to negotiate with me, but I know you're going to get this 10 X the value on this, at least out of your investment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. at first that was really hard for me to believe that I could yeah. actually do that and that I was worth that. And that's where you separate 
sales professionals from the folks that aren't going to make, mm-hmm. uh, make it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that maybe are more account managers or customer service, quite frankly, is yeah. they're wonderful people. They care a lot. But when it comes to that point of saying, I'm worth this, my company's worth this value mm-hmm. because of what we do for you. They just have a, they can't get over that hump. And that's, yeah. Um, that's it is. A, it is intimidating that. that first time you have to submit a proposal for your own, yep. your own time and your own yeah. company, something that mm-hmm. you own and not someone else. It's easy to submit a proposal on behalf of the company you work for, right? Yeah. But when it's you having to value your time and your expertise, there, there is a little, there is intimidation when it totally. comes to that, you know? Well, and, and in, in sales, um, you know, so many people say, oh, if I, Jack, we'd love to have you come help us out, blah, blah, blah. We'll give you a percentage of our sales. Then I tell them, thank you for that generous offer. But my answer is no. You have to share, quite frankly, if they don't share in the pain, they're not going to be bought in. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. yeah, It's like I could do that and I'll I'll get two or three times the money, which I've done in a couple of cases, but I stopped doing that because I said, they're not bought in. I'm going to walk yeah. away and all this is going to fall apart. If you're right, I need you to feel this, invest in it. And so you're paying attention because if you're not paying mm-hmm. attention, this isn't going to work. Yeah. I think the other mistake that people make, and, and in my industry, you know, they, a lot of people will charge hourly. So it, right. um, sure. for their services, right. Mm-hmm. You hire a, an event planner and they might yep. give you a proposal for X number of hours. And, and I was coaching uh, someone recently. Um, she's very new in the, in the industry and she was having struggles with pricing. And so I said, okay, have you had to price anything so far? And she said, yeah, I just submitted a proposal. Somebody wanted me to help them with a 40th birthday party. And so I said, okay, well, what did you charge? Yeah. And I said, you know, you have just be honest with me. If you charged $5 or $5,000, I just need to know where we're starting from. And so she, you know, sort of sheepishly said 250 and I was like an hour. And she goes, no, for the whole project, $250 for the whole project. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I, uh, of course was like, well, we need to work on that. But, um, but, (laughs) but, but, but before I came to the, we need to work on that. What I had to do for her is divide that by how many hours she was expecting to work on that project. And we literally got to the place once we, you know, we did her hourly wage, the time, any, you know, expenses that she was going to have all the things, right. She was less than $7 an hour on this project. And I said, you know, I just need you to, to see, that that so you look at 250 as one piece right but when you start to break that down it's not really 250 yeah you know and 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 when you have to start pricing yourself those are mistakes i often see um you know new new business owners making well absolutely because it's it's Mm -hmm. one of those things too when you think about it as a consultant or you know really from a billable time Mm-hmm. You know, if you broke it all down, if you can bill 50% of your time on an ongoing basis, in addition to admin sales mm-hmm. and all the other things you have to do, that's, that's the reality. It, you yeah. know, people hear you charge 300, 350, whatever that number is per hour. You go, Oh my God. Cause they're thinking you're working full time doing that. Well, yeah. Guess yeah. what? That's not the reality. It's right. a little bit different. So right. Um, right. you have to think about those things and, and know that, you know, you need to a value yourself, but know that you're going to drive far more value than that with the, the yeah. client that you have. Yeah, definitely. So many good sales tips. You, I, I can't wait for the, <laughs> 
Jack Kellyism book to That's come right. out with all of the. With, come on, you got to get writing. I wrote my book in six. <laughs> I wrote my book in six weeks, so I don't know what you're waiting uh, around for. I know. Come on. Believe me. It's not like you have Believe nothing me. else going See, on in your that's life. That's my next thing, right? Is this stopping the excuses and write the damn book? Excuse me. Well, now that I know, <laughs> now that I know that's on your to-do list, believe yeah. me, every time I, I see you, okay, like, good. so how's the book going? <laughs> how's, the book how's, going? how's it coming? Well, I can how's see it chapter coming? One. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So um, we share a common passion with the Leukemia yeah. and Lymphoma Society. We both yes. serve on that um, board. You as yeah. incoming uh, chair, and I agreed because you are the chair to be your vice chair. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, so the the intertwining careers of Nicole and Jack continue, continue but, yep. um, but, I, but I know that that's an organization that um, is near and dear to your heart. And uh, like me, you participated in the Man Woman of the Year yep. uh, campaign. Um, I just interviewed Katie Temple, who was the 2019 Woman of the Year. Yep. And you are 2018, 2018. Man of the Year. 2018 right. man of the year. So, yeah. um, so congratulations on that. Thank you Thank for you. saying yes to that um, massive yeah. ask. Right. Um, <laughs> but I know that the yes came from a really um, personal mm-hmm. mission connection that you have um, with yes. your mom and, and the loss yep. of your mom ultimately. So, mm-hmm. so what has LLS meant to meant to you in the last few years? Yeah. I mean, from going from something I never heard about to seeing a, a link, another LinkedIn post about this thing called, man of the year that I could do uh, to where I am today has been, you know, um, an amazing journey. And, and mm-hmm. the biggest part about it for me personally, selfishly, is the thing I didn't know that was going to happen. And that's that's the effect I've had on other people, I, you know, mm-hmm. in their lives and they're sharing their stories of their battle with disease or their son's battle, their daughters, uh, their moms, and uh, mm-hmm. just how appreciative they are for, for what we're doing. But that also has fueled me, uh, quite frankly. Um, this organization does incredible work. And as you and I have talked mm-hmm. about, got, has a lot of work to do on the marketing side to mm-hmm. raise awareness, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, their results are, are impressive. So I look at it from a business person standpoint, when I look at, you know, 48 of the last 54 FDA approved blood cancer treatments um, have been fun, partly funded in at least in some sort by LLS. That's, that's incredible. I mean, it's, yeah. an, it's an amazing track record over a two and a half year period. I, 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 each time I say it, I can't believe it. And then I yeah. so impressed by the chief scientific officer, I think is her official title, Gwen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That just blew me away when I had the opportunity to see her speak uh, in New York. And, um, you know, just every single part of it, of it has, has been positive. And then, of course, people like yourself and the other folks on the board and the opportunity we have. We mm-hmm. we we can always do more. When I Here's another Jack Kellyism. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready, you know, folks. Get your notebook out. <laughs> if you think you're thinking big, think bigger, right? So, uh-huh. and, and that's something that I, I really held on to because... Because my mom benefited from the BAML, acute myeloid leukemia campaign. Um, the doctor told her when she first underwent treatment, if this had been six months ago, I wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have had this treatment available mm. for you. Mom lived at an incredible two years after that where she saw great-grandchildren born, celebrate her 60th wedding anniversary with my dad and her 80th birthday. I mean, we, it, it was, um, and it was from what I recall, at least as an adult, the best time 
I ever had with my mom. She was so appreciative of everything she was given during that yeah. time of the experiences she had and how much um, you know she appreciated us and she let us know every day. I, the other gift is, you know, our family says I love you a hell of a lot more now than we ever did to each other. And, yeah. um, you know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, I can never, never um, pay back. Right. Yeah. And so for me, this uh, it's very personal, but I also see it as something where progress can be made and we mm-hmm. can have an impact on that progress. And, um, you know, we're starting to, you know, see some some new movement here in San Diego. Thanks to you. Yeah. And thanks to you know, a lot of the team, there's some really exciting stuff going on. And, and mm-hmm. I am, a, I'm on a why not side when people ask me, you know, should we ask this person? And it's like, why not? We, yeah. We've got absolutely nothing to lose. We're just trying to cure cancer. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to ask that question anytime. So, yeah. Well, having met um, Mrs. Kelly um, <laughs> a few months before she passed, I know that yep. she was incredibly proud of you and the mm-hmm. work that you had not only done on um, behalf of LLS, but, you know, I think just the uh, the family man that you are and the the incredible dad that you are so um, I'm pleased to and proud to know you as a friend for a very long time and um, and it's just such a delight to now be able to work alongside you um, for one of our passion projects of, of finding a cure for cancer I mean there's Absolutely. nothing sm- you know that's a small tiny little task we've been charged <laughs> yeah, with let's let's money. raise enough money we find right. a cure for cancer but, right. and, and but we'll figure it out we'll figure it out there we're gonna get more and more people yeah. in this community involved and in, and in, that's the exciting part is the reception we see that you and I were involved in an ask to Illumina and it mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. went well. And, and, it and that's, yeah. that's just the beginning for us. And I, I really yeah. think there's some great, great opportunity out there for us to, to make a big impact in this community. Yeah. And so, and I think to your point about the marketing of the organization, I mean, sadly, people don't know it until they need to know it, Yep. you know, yep. and, and when you look at other cancer organizations, you know, Susan G. Coleman, and mm-hmm. why does everyone know that even though, you know, yep. I have, right. you know, I don't have breast cancer, right. knock on wood in my family, but yet I still know yep. that brand. Still and know so it. We all do. You'll know yeah. it. And so why is LLS kind mm-hmm. of falling behind when it comes to that. Um, yeah. you know, for you and I, we see that as opportunity. Yeah. Right? We see that Absolutely. as opportunity. So we yeah. will, we will change that. We will, we will definitely change, change that. that. Absolutely. Yes. There's no exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right, Mr. Sales and relationship expert, you have been amazing. Um, <laughs> so thank it. you so much, but we're going to end with our rapid fire questions. Okay. okay. So these are just intended to be fun. No judgment, <laughs> no right or wrong answer. Oh God, all right. And I'm going to move yeah. through them quickly. So don't okay. panic if I have no response. Okay. All right. Title of your lifetime movie. Um, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> Okay. If you could change places with any celebrity right this minute, who would it be? Who would it be? Boy, right this minute. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, you know, maybe like Simon Cowell. He's got a fun job. That would be, I'd love to do Yeah, that. that's okay. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. Okay. When do you feel happiest? Uh, you know what? As cheesy as it sounds, I feel happiest when I'm hanging out with my kids and my family. So yeah. we, it's just, you know, they're getting older and they're going to be leaving the nest soon. So I love every minute. I know. Yep, yeah, I know. Um, if you were running for politics, what would be mm-hmm. your biggest campaign promise? Um, my biggest print campaign pro- promise? Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's a heavy one, but, um, you know, it, it, it truly would be around, um, equality for all. 
Good. Okay. It's, it doesn't make sense any other way. Yeah, exactly. Ultimate dinner party. Which four guests do you invite? Can be living, dead, character, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I would invite... Um, I would invite Barack Obama. Uh-huh. Love to meet that man. Uh, I would invite Steve Garvey as somewhat controversial. He, he was my idol growing up as a kid in L.A. Playing okay. first base for the Dodgers. Okay. Um, I would... Um, I would <clears throat> invite... I got two more. I know one of them. Mm-hmm. What would be the other one? Um I would invite the commissioner of baseball because I need to talk about you know, what he's doing right now with baseball and get that figured out. You you have an agenda. I have an agenda. The other person, if I could invite anybody and make that happen, it'd be my mom. Oh, so, that's perfect. Yeah. Yep, perfect. Yeah. All right. Right this minute, you have to get a tattoo oh. regardless of how you feel about him. Okay, yep. what do you get and why? Uh, what would I get and why? I would get, um, gosh, that's a really good one. <laughs> I would get something that, you know, I maybe on my back that, uh. would, that would be big and it would be, it would be like, it would be uh, kind of a sunset. So it's sunset at the beach because that's literally my happy place where I want to be. So. Okay. I, having known you as long as I have, that has surprised me, Jack. Okay. Good for you. The fact, just the scale, just the just scale, scale of it. Just the right, whole, if I'm gonna, like, I'm yeah, gonna, boom. not like something yeah. delicate on the wrist. You're like, no let's way. go for the whole no thing. Way. Okay. Listen, like rock on. I think that's amazing. Good for you. Right. Yep. All right. Biggest pet peeve in business. Oh, I said it when you asked what the key thing was, is just be prompt. You know, yeah. Be, yeah. yeah, definitely. Be, respond when you're supposed to respond and get yeah. back to people. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Uh, when, what is your uh, wish for the next generation? Oh, um, my wish for the next generation is that um, they're problem solvers. And that they understand that um, there's, you know, Don Henley song, song when you're talking about a problem or a situation, there's your point of view, there's my point of view, and there's the cold, hard truth. And let's deal with the cold, hard truth and, yeah. and figure something out um, and, and solve the problem versus mm-hmm. just putting your flag in the sand and not moving from it. Yeah, good. Excellent. When does your light shine the brightest? When I'm with people, without yeah, a doubt, definitely. that's where I get, that's where I get my energy. And, yep, um, yep. you know, it's, uh, this, uh, Martha Jean, my mom legacy is, you know, I, I am a believer. People are, are inherently good. And, yeah. um, one of my favorite things, quite frankly, is more of an extroverted person is, um, to learn about find an introverted person in the room, get to know them and, and, and kind of see their personality come out. It's one of my yeah. favorite things. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Last question. What is your big ask either personally or professionally right now? And how can we help you? Oh gosh, that's a really good question. I guess it's, you know, um, boy, what's my big ask? I feel like I got a lot going on right now as far as big <laughs> ask go. Um, you know, uh, my big ask, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep it to, you know, um, 
I guess personally, it's related to what I just talked about is um, we need to all focus on solving problems and communicating with each other mm-hmm. and honoring relationships. It comes right back to that because mm-hmm. uh, we're not right now in, in my yeah. opinion, not enough. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of great people out there. Unfortunately, the, the smaller percentage of those that are not, or seem to get the, all the attention we yeah. have got to hold our leadership responsible to solving problems and focusing on what's in the best interest of, of, um, the people, not yes. just of themselves. So. Oh, it's all good, Jack. It's all good. Yep. Well, thank you for saying yes to my big ask and asking you, you to be course. a guest on the podcast. Um, what's the best way for people to stay connected with you or follow you on yeah, um, social media? Or, LinkedIn. Okay. Yep. And it's Jack Kelly SD on LinkedIn. So um, that would be great. Um, would love to connect. Awesome. Well, thank you very, very much. I've enjoyed our our time together and getting to know you even better. So thanks so much, Jack. You are welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Big Ass Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe to and share the podcast with your friends. And be sure to connect with me on social at Miss Nicole Matthews or at Big Ass Podcast. Until next time, let today be the day you make a big ask. 